Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath, December 23rd, we look at Lesson 12, Esther and Mordecai. Together, let's see how God called Esther and Mordecai in order to become instruments for the kingdom of God. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at the Adventist Learning Community. Together, we love learning and have 18 years of pastoral experience and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into the study. All right, here we are, Michael. Uh, lesson uh, 12, actually. It's gone by very fast, hasn't it? Uh, God's, yeah, God's mission, my mission. Uh, but this is Esther and Mordecai. And our, mi- our memory text comes from Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Very appropriate for the story of Esther, and I'll put Mordecai in there as well. Yeah, you know, great, great. Some of my favorite, all-time favorite Bible stories. Yes. (laughs) So, Michael, I guess you can say introduce us into it as we're talking about Sunday's lesson, Captive in a Foreign Culture. So the lesson launches off with a little bit of kind of context. You know, why are they in Babylon, right? They're taken into captivity, and this is sort of their castigation, their, their punishment, you might say that uh, here they are after they, the children of Israel have apostatized over time, they're taken away. And, and even in the midst, as, as some of these captives are taken away, there's a small group, a small remnant, right? That's a word that we like to use as Adventists, but uh, it just means those who are left. And, and there's some that, that cling on to their faith. And yeah, probably some of the most beloved stories in, the, in all of scripture, right? Or are found here with the story of, of Daniel. He goes and he goes through all the training and will not eat the king's meat. And, and right. you know, everyone's worried, you know, and he turns out that he's healthier and stronger along with his, his, his friends that Meshach, Shadrach, and uh, Abednego, I guess. Well, that, those are the names that they changed them to. But, but uh, here they are and, and they're living out their principles. They're living out their faith. And and God blesses them through all that. Not only are they healthier, but they become wiser. And they're actually put to the test at a couple pivotal moments. Daniel 3 is famous for the story of being put in the blazing furnace where, you know, they refuse to bow before the image, right? Nebuchadnezzar with his stubborn pride. And then chapter 6, which is the, the beloved bedtime story of Daniel in the lion's den. You know, everybody expects him to, and he just openly openly praised despite these people setting a trap for him and and he ends up in the lion's den and, and against all the odds what everybody expects here is god preserving his life and so yeah they're they're living as captives they're in a different uh, culture there's a power differential that's there right if he's not going in as the one who conquered the other country he's coming in as the, the slaves the servants and and so they're in in a difficult place to be in it when you realize that you're in that difficult moment, there is that power deferential that that that's there. That you feel it's a, it's a moment of, of 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 tenderness. It's a moment of it's a liminal space, right? That that you can and it, it can be easy to understand why some people would capitulate. Like you know, hey, I'll look the other way and uh, I'll I'll eat this food or I'll just kind of be in the back where no one really notices whether I kneel or not, you know, and and try right. to. Um, find find a way to kind of compromise and when it comes to his faith Daniel refuses to to compromise in in any way shape or form and so and God rewards his faith and I think that's that's a beautiful 
reminder for us. We, we do have to realize the last lesson we talked about reaching other cultures and crossing cultural boundaries and breaking cultural prejudices and stuff like that. But there are some things we don't compromise and, and scripture is clear about this. And this is where Daniel and his friends really shine. It's amazing their courage, which I think speaks volumes. And it's why those stories of Daniel and his friends are, are some of the most best loved stories probably in all of scripture. Absolutely. And not only do we are there, but that's why they're in a foreign uh, country, you know, and, and Daniel's not the only one. You know, that story continues. The saga doesn't end there. And most of the rest of the lessons talking about kind of this next chapter, what happens in, in this foreign court with uh, Esther and Mordecai, which is the title of our lesson, the main focus of the rest of our lesson. Yeah, Michael, you know, I'm, I'm going through it and and, and I, I, this story amazes me every time I go through it. There's more and more details that you see, that you cover. And this is a, one that's special to us right now because recently I received a, a gift card a long time ago for my birthday. And uh, instead of using it to buy more, more books for myself, I took the kids and let them pick out their own devotional books. And my son picked up one of those daily readers. But then my daughter, she picked up a book of, of Queen Esther that's written on her level. And she's just, She's tearing through it. And, and so uh, probably like twice a week, we instead of having an, another regular family worship, we say, OK, what have we been studying this week? Tell, share with us something you've learned. And she's just giving us all these details about Mordecai and about Haman and, and Esther. And she's just just sharing it. So as I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, she'll be excited that this next week's uh, uh, lesson is actually going to be on Esther and the adult quarterly. Uh, but yeah, this one in the for in a foreign court is asking this question. It says, what do these verses teach us about the situation of Mordecai and Esther? And we see that Vashti had fallen out of favor with Mordecai, uh, with, with the king. And as a result of that, he looks for another one. And, and in that context, we find that Esther enters and Mordecai also appears first. Uh, I'm not going to read Esther chapter 2, 1 through 9, but I will encourage the the audience please read through this chapter it's a it's a pretty short read but it's also a very interesting read that gives us real time moments of what it's like to live in opposition and at the same time still live for god and stand up for him and what god can do and as we're going to unravel the story even more michael it's just it shares here it says it seems that mordecai as a royal officer was sitting at the gate of the palace and was residing in the city of Shushan with his adopted daughter or cousin Esther. And as a result of that, we see all these things that are happening. And one thing that can be said about the, the story of Esther is that God's timing is perfect. Uh, and so God set her up and called her at a time like this and a place like this to do what God needed her to do for her people. And so verse 10, a matter of fact, of Esther chapter 2, Esther had not yet not revealed her people or family for Mordecai had charged her not to reveal it in verse 20. Now Esther had not revealed her family or her people just as Mordecai had charged her. Esther obeyed the command of Mordecai as when she was brought up by him. And so Mordecai was hoping that she was going to endear herself to the king, which that happened. We'll see that unravel later. But we'll, we see here in a foreign court, Sometimes it's very needed to be observant where you are, to yeah. understand what the laws of the land are, why they are, and to go along with them as much as you can without compromising what you stand for and what you believe. And I think there's wisdom in that, Michael, 
she didn't go in immediately and start yelling the the Ten Commandments and tell, share, sharing with them what the Torah is. She went along when the time was right, then she shared. And I think that's looking for those opportunities. That's what we're called to do. And so, Michael, tell us about Mordecai's faithful witness. Tuesday's yeah. lesson. It's building up. It's getting intense. And chapter three is where are the actions? It is. It is. So, and Xerxes honors Haman, the Agagite, you know, the ancient enemies of Israel. And, and of course, he's going around and soaking up. Yeah, he's all about himself and and uh, everything that's wrong with, with leadership. Leadership gone wrong, right? He's going around wanting people to bow down to him. It's true. That's the kind of leader you are. You're in trouble. And everybody knows that this is, this is a problem. And, and the best way to do it is capitulate and just kind of give in. And Mordecai's like, no way. Yeah. Verse, end of verse two talks about how Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor. And at that point, the, the die is cast. He will forever be his mortal em enemy. He, he's out for blood. He's, he wants to destroy Mordecai here. And, you know, there's times in leadership when things like this kind of happen. I think it's important for us to, to pause and reflect for a moment. You know, you don't want to be the kind of leader that, that goes in and, and tries to pick fights with, with, with people all the time that, that you know, you want to live peaceably, you want to live, you know, get along with people, right? But, but sometimes there are moral convictions that so you have to make a stand. And then to not make a stand is to, to be equally, you know, the, this, we're talking about integrity here. And, and, and I, I can imagine that Mordecai, he, he doesn't want this guy to try to take him out, right? I mean, no, of course not. I, I hope not. And uh, here, here it is. And, and so he finds out that he's a Jew and, and then verse five says he became enraged and uh, he's starting to plot the destruction of the, all the Jews. And of course we know what happens uh, with the plot and everything else and, and, uh, and Esther's role and all of that. And, and God makes a way that uh, his people are in fact able to, to, to be saved. So. So, but for the moment, for the moment, we're reminded of Mordecai and, and his stand for his integrity that sometimes you have to do the right thing, even if it makes you unpopular. And that's, that's part of what we're dealing with right here. Mordecai reminds us, his example is recorded for us to help remind us that, that there are times we have to make a stand and, and do the right thing. And, and that's what he does. But then we get to the next part of the story. And I, I Try not to get ahead here on you, Buster. <laughs> but chapter four for such time as this. What time you is know, Yes, and I think I, I think I jumped ahead of myself on this one too. So it's all right. <laughs> this is this is an accumulation of of just the beauty of this book. And yeah. we see uh, what happens. Esther agrees to help the help the Jews is what this is titled. Yeah. But we see here that Haman is is making this threat. They don't know what to do. And so, uh, matter of fact, I can jump down to verse 13, actually verse 12. So they told Mordecai Esther's words, and Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do not think in your heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. In other words, don't think to just save yourself. You have a chance to save the entire nation. For if you remain completely silent at this time, verse 14, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. You who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this, for such a time as this. And I think that's once again, 
We're talking about opportunity. We're talking about purpose. We're talking about uh, integrity, standing up, speaking up, speaking out when the time is right and correct. And sometimes it doesn't seem like it is because it will be much easier to preserve her own life to appease the king. But instead, she she is being charged to put her neck on the line. And those of us who know the story, she does. And I want to bring this home. What ways are is God calling us to do the same? I, I think, uh, Michael, you were talking about the, the book you were talking about. Remind me of her name again. The one who... Rosarlo, the global Christianity. Yeah. Yes. Robert, uh, Roger Hernandez was talking about something very similar. He was talking about that book. And as he is posting, he is asking questions of, of what can we do? What do we do? And... I think sometimes we get we get lost in saying, well, that's just the way it is. No, it's not just the way it is. We can make a difference, even if it's a 0.0001% difference. That one person that decides to turn away from the secular and turn towards the sacred is someone who is being brought closer to Christ. And the same thing for us. Those of us who have fallen away, who are falling away towards the secular, away from the sacred, we can change those statistics, but those statistics are made out of people. And I think that's what Esther is being reminded of is that these are people and she is concerned about them and that she, as a person who is equal with them, is willing to take the bigger risk to save the multitude. And so, Michael, that brings us to the next portion of our lesson. We talked about Mordecai's faithfulness and also for such a time as this. How about the miracle of Purim? Yeah, so this kind of brings the whole story full circle, how God does, in fact, preserve through Mordecai, through Esther, through the incredible, I guess the only way to put it is providence, right? God's leading through this. And this is what scripture helps us to see is that biblical God's view through human events and human affairs, right? And and so God does, in fact, make it possible. And the king draws up a new decree, right? That's meant or intended to counteract the, the initial decree that Haman had put out there to destroy the Jews. And so that went out throughout the land that they could defend themselves. And they did defend themselves. In fact, at, at certain places, including Shushan, which is the, the palace, where it says that there were 500 people that, had been dis that, that were destroyed. So because they're able to protect themselves, rise up, those that were out and dead set to destroy them, ended up being destroyed. And so God worked uh, a miracle. God worked a miracle. And, and so we are reminded of this. This is what the uh, Purim is all about. It's indeed. Memory, this collective memory among the Jews of what God did to preserve them through Queen Esther, through Mordecai, and, and God's providential leading through all of this. And so sometimes we get to the point in our lives, we we don't know why we are at such a point. It, it can be very challenging to, to know. We don't know what the next step forward is. And we have to, with complete dependence, say, God, uh, I need you to lead me and make it clear what the future has to hold. And this is what happened. It, things looked bleak and dark, and yet God worked uh, in and through even the most darkest of circumstances for their preservation. Yeah, Michael, and that's the beauty it's a beautiful thing to see and recognize and witness of the light that is, that is shown as a result of someone saying, God, I'm willing to reflect you in whatever situation I am, I'm in.
you know, it's interesting that Ellen White here at the very end in the book, Education, talks about how each of us, a parent, teacher, child, whatever, in light of the gospel, we each come to the same kind of moment in our lives. Who knows that maybe you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And if that's the case, when God calls, our only response is to say, is to answer yes. You know, the Holy Spirit. Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, exactly. And so, wow, you know, at moments like that, whatever may, God may be speaking to your life right now, he invites us, each of us, including me, to listen to the Holy Spirit and, and, and make us willing, willing to be made willing. And, you know, I think the beauty of that too, Michael, is that, I think sometimes we're like, oh, the big moments, the big moments. Well, God prepares us for the big moments by preparing us in the small moments. So that still small voice that's saying, hey, come and pray for a while. Come and study. Come, turn off the television. Turn off the music for a moment and just spend a silent moment with me in study and devotional prayer. It's not for, it's not for your salvation's sake. It's not to say, oh, this is how I'm saved. No, this is so you can begin to correctly understand the voice of God so when he speaks louder in the big moments, you know what it sounds like in the small moments. And so I believe Esther and Mordecai both had that, which is they had this ongoing relationship with God. So in the big moment, they were able to stand with integrity because of the little moments in their lives. Love it. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast. Till next week, uh, I hope you'll join us again. But until next week, this is your host, Sue. And Swoops. Signing, Signing out. out. As we wrap up, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the Adventist Learning Community, a ministry of the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. You can join us each week by subscribing on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Also, make sure you share with as many people as possible. And be sure to give us feedback by rating our podcast and go to our website, SabbathSchoolRescue.org, for each weekly episode.